We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, 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 now this the black sheep sticking it to him, I need a crib like I'm Gatsby, I need it in hand, just understand my pocket's that deep, with nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do, and it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose, you see they told me I'm the one that's gonna benefit, never been a threat, talking out of line, but never You got something there, Nick? I have something here, yes. and I have a rule, okay. because as I've gotten older, I have a couple friends that actually write books. Mm-hmm. Those I have to read. I've read more books post high school than I did during high school and even college, I should say. I like that. Which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody if you just pay attention to how I speak. You know, you're literate. Yeah. You know, you know, big word. Yeah. And, and when I hear big words, I kind of, you know, get a little stimulated. No blue chew needed. Right. I'm like, dude, that's an SAT word. <laughs> Reason why I'm saying all this. I'm holding the vapors, a Southern family, the New York mob, and the rise and fall of Hot Springs. Authored by my dog, David Hill, and he's joining us in the studio. What's going on, man? What's up, man? It's good How to be feeling? here. It's good to be here. What is this, number three, number four, something like that? Hmm. Let's see. How many times do I need to be on the show before I get in the opening montage, a clip of me in the Oh, <laughs> Yeah. You know what? That's a good point. It's it's around the same time last year when you came on. Uh, we've I've had you call on the show before when I lived in New York. You came into the studio in New York, which is really dope. Uh, you did a piece on sports betting that I was involved with, which was really, really cool. And uh, yeah, man, I love having you on because you cover sports betting. Uh, you, you're in the trenches the way we are too. You like to gamble also. But anytime I have you on, it's cool to just get a pulse of like where we're at with sports betting. It's a conversation I enjoy having with you because you're in the loop and you just follow things from a different perspective and different angle. And uh, it's super informative too, because you fill me in on stuff, George, that I'm not even aware of. Right. And it's cool just to, you know, and truthfully, I go back and I listen to the conversations that I have with you years past just to see like, oh shit, you know, he was talking about that state and now it's legal. Where mm-hmm. he was he was saying how this is going to be the swing state. And now it's still pending. So I know it's super broad, but David, how do you feel about sports betting right now in 2023? I mean, I feel good about it if what you mean is like, do I think that uh, we can expect 
more of it, right? Like it's not going to retract. It's just going to expand, right? I think it's a kind of a freight train at this point. So for better or for worse, right? Um, I feel good about it also because I feel like one of the things that's happening to the American market is that um, there's we're starting to see some resistance to the kind of um, rec book model. You know what I mean? The like the 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 um, the limit your bets kind of European style bookmakers, uh, which I think early on when this all first started in America, a lot of us were nervous that that was good, that that the European model would just become the American model, right? Mm. And by that I mean European sports books are notorious for not taking a bet, right? They 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 dramatically limit winning betters in Europe and uh, and they just try to grind their profits out from wreck betters that they give terrible prices to. We thought for a while that might happen in the United States. We're seeing that there's some, there's sort of a... Do, do me a favor real quick. Just bring the mic a little closer to you. Ooh, yeah. yeah. How's that? That's way better. We're seeing now that there's like some, there's really some resistance to that. Uh, and... Um, some of these sports books who have tried to take some market share using that model have failed. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, FanDuel and DraftKings are like 60, 66% of the market, right? So they, they own it and they're not the greatest, you know, they're not good. They're rec books. Right. But, uh, but there are, you're not going to beat them playing that game. So what we're seeing is that sports books are now having to pick a new lane. They're having to say, if we're going to get some mar- capture some market share here, we're not going to beat FanDuel and DraftKings at their own game. We got to get our own game. So what is that game going to be? And that's where we see books like Prime Sports, Circa, you know, that are willing to take a bet that are saying, maybe we can use the pinnacle model for lack of a better term and, uh, and try to get smaller margins by taking bigger bets and just booking, you know what I mean? And I think we're going to see more of that, those kinds of sports books appear. I also think that the that in New Jersey we see sports uh, exchanges growing, and we could talk about that a little bit too. But I think that's a development that's really interesting that we might see. Well, DraftKings and FanDuel are just the most popular, also like you said, and they're just everywhere too. They dominate marketing. Like, yeah, uh, the, their budget for marketing has got to be a lot of what their profits are. It's tough to even tell if they can flip a profit with how many commercials they own. Like, well, bro, in in 20, 2015, 2016, they're the ones that snitched on themselves right. when Daily Fantasy was going around. Because right. I, I, grew, I grew up, uh, I mean, I was degening, obviously, but like the legal way, uh, I was playing Daily Fantasy sports. Everyone remembers I used to do a show called Degeneration Bets, where it was a, a predominantly sports betting podcast, and I would do a show called DFS Fridays. We would build lineups, tell you who to play, whatever it might be. And I remember it was a week one where every other commercial was DraftKings or FanDuel. And then a report comes out that they spend like $50 million on advertising. Yeah. And then six months later after the football season, New York State goes, yo, you guys are giving away a million dollars every week? Huh. Let's look into this. Bam, shut down. No more daily fantasy. And then they became a loophole that it's skill-based. It's not luck. It's you got to know, you know, and they worked around it. So with the marketing that they're spending, it's also, it's like a gift and a curse, right? They became so popular, but they also got in a lot of trouble too. Right. Well, I can't imagine they got in too much trouble because look what, you know, look where they are now. Right. right. Um, what, the gamble they took paid off for them. We're seeing though, the, there's sort of a deja vu with Daily Fantasy now with, uh, in Michigan, I think they just, Michigan just banned, um, I don't remember if it's prize picks or underdog, but one of these, right? Mm. One of these new 
newfangled da- daily fantasy quasi, you know, um, I mean, essentially a way to bet props, right? And right. prop parlays, but they're skirting the law and Michigan came after them for that. So we're going to see more test cases on this stuff. Um, that fight ain't over, but you know, DraftKings and FanDuel knew, they knew their plan all along was to, to get where they are now. They mm-hmm. took that risk, that calculated risk, because they wanted to challenge this law. They wanted, and they wanted to be first to market and they spend all this money on marketing because it's all customer acquisition. Cause this is the phase we're in. It's not a mature, we don't have a mature sports betting market in America. Not every state has it. Even the states that do don't have the same sports books. So it's different state to state who's can be, and how many licenses will be given out in each state, right? So the whole game is capture the, the market first, be the first to capture them. And even if you have to lose money doing it, so then when all the little books die and fade away, right. now you can roll back all the promo money. Now you can roll back your marketing money because now you got everybody held on. I think that's kind of what, that's the market, that's the uh, model they're using, whatever. I mean, that's what, that's what made Walmart, Walmart. That's what made, you know, Apple, IG. Apple. So it's, you know, they're just following a tried and true business model there. The problem though is that the is that FanDuel and DraftKings, like I said before, they're not friendly books to betters, right? They're you know they they see their future and the way that they're going to make their profit through same game parlays, like that is their bread and butter. They're going to milk these things to death. And also, being in the sports betting space, that's the thing that people want. Clearly, but I mean, people want it. Look, let's be real. I mean, people want to bet a little, win a lot. That's right, what people right. want. Well, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying that's why they're becoming so successful because they targeted the same game parlay and they know that Bill at the bar could throw a $20 bet down to win half a million dollars. But not every same game parlay is equal. I mean, the problem with the with the FanDuel and DraftKings same game parlays is that they, they're heavily juiced. And the, right. the reason that it's that this works for them is because they're very, same game parlays, from my understanding, are very difficult to price. It's a very challenging mathematical thing to price these. It's a very trivial exercise to price a normal parlay because, you know, when you parlay just, when you parlay a bunch of sides or sides and totals or whatever you have, you know what the price is for each side. And then you, you know, you can figure out what's the VIG free price, what's the fair price for that. But when you're pricing in game, same game, you know, there's, there's correlation uh, between different legs, there's negative correlation. So you get to get, you know, you have to have like a PhD in math to price some of this stuff. That means it's easier for the sports book to disguise their juice and they can juice you a lot more in those. That's the real reason they prefer it over a regular parlay is because they can pull the wool over your eyes about how much of a tax you're paying versus in a regular parlay where you can do the math and see this is not a fair price, right? That's the reason I think it's very attractive to them. I love that you bring this up because how many times have I posted the subathon? And I'll have- Saturday, brother. Every Saturday, yeah. (laughs) Shout out to the subathon. I'll take screenshots. And what the subathon is, it's it's a UFC parlay, three to four fighters to win by submission. And I'll literally, David, I'll post four different books. And I'll say, look what it pays on one book, $25, the other. And some of the numbers, it's like almost doubled. And it's to your point, but it's also why I put an emphasis on, yo. Shop the lines. You got to shop, shop the, the lines, lines also. And we need to have choice in order to have, find that. And right. that's why... We the worst thing that can happen for us as betters is for um, FanDuel and DraftKings to go from sixty five percent of the market to one hundred percent of the market. Because once they lose that competition, then none of the prices are going to be good for us. You know what I mean? So we always have to figure out a way that we can have the option these options and prices and be able to shop the price. But so few people do. I mean, what I think we've learned is that the market for sports betting is massive. 
and that most of that market does not care at all about price. They don't care about value at all. And that's to the book's benefit, you know? And so for people who do actually want to make money at this and actually want to try to like, you know, build a bankroll and survive, even if you look, forget about trying to do it professionally, right? Even if you just want to do it on the side and win, it's difficult, right? Because so many books are going to make it really hard for you to win because they want to book two squares, right? So, you know, we, we need to, we need options. We need New Jersey, in my opinion, is the um, ideal model right now for what would be a good sports betting market nationwide. What is it that they do that makes well, they have more? That? They have more licenses. They've opened up. They they offer more licenses to more companies. They have sports betting exchanges, which I think is very key, and they have online uh, casinos, which I think helps. Look, I mean, DraftKings runs their own casino in New Jersey. Look, I mean, if DraftKings gets to run a casino, they don't have to. They don't have to um, bleed me dry <laughs> in the sports book because they can generate revenue pl- mm-hmm. from people who want to play blackjack, and that's that. I think is a better situation for a sports better. That also sucks because I went to Connecticut one time for my buddy's uh, son's birthday, and you know, you toss a couple beers back. I hit a soccer bet. I'm up like 300 bucks. My friends are like, "Yo, let's play some roulette." I was uh-huh. like, "I'm not playing roulette, bro. Let's play some roulette." All right. You know what happened to that three hundred dollars? Gone, gone. Yeah, but I'm all, like, you know, fuck this place, fuck this casino. <laughs> Get me out of this state. I can't do it. But see, that's fair. I feel like because like that gives them an opportunity to win your money back without winning it from you by like squeezing you in the sports book. Yeah, and uh, so that's that. You know, so the the New Jersey has the most licensed sports books right now, and they've been the most kind of liberal with allowing market uh, books to sort of open up and operate there. And then the sports, there's now two exchanges in New Jersey. And for me, when I'm price shopping, I live in New York, you know, but I just crossed the border as you, when you and I first met, we were <laughs> on the Hoboken, uh, uh, path, path, bro. path Super station, you know, that, take which a we train. used to call the, uh, you know, the Hoboken sports book. Cause everybody would just go over there and bet <laughs> real shit, bro. But I'm still doing it. Even though New York has legalized because I go over there to bet the exchanges. Cause when I look at my odds screen, you know, and I use unabated when I go on the odds screen, the Jersey uh, exchanges are always the best price, always without fail. So I'm always going over there to make my bets because, dude, I had to drive into Jersey to bet Cooper Cup to win the Super Bowl MVP because in New York you're oh, not allowed you can't to bet win. on awards. You can't bet on awards That's because right. people could vote on it. So that That's was right. one you of can't the bet loopholes. on awards in New York. You can in New Jersey, but the exchange model I think is really what I I believe the future is. I think that like, can you elaborate on the exchange yeah. model? You mentioned it three times, and I'll be honest, I'm I, not really I just sure what googled you, it, bro. Okay, so, so you know about the that. biggest exchange. In the world is Betfair. Okay. And so a lot of people, there's a lot of money on Betfair. Like internationally, you know, people around the world that, that bet big sums of money, they've got a lot of money on Betfair. And, and exchange works like a stock market. Like if I go on to exchange and I want to bet whatever, say I want to bet the Ravens and and and, and lay three and a half Thursday, uh, this weekend, then I'm going to go on exchange and see if there's anybody on the exchange that wants the other side of that bet. And oh, so you're talking about like peer to peer betting? It's, well, it, it, it functionally that's how it works, but it's not peer to peer because I, the people that I'm betting with are not typically other betters. They might be, okay, but more often what they are is what we call market makers. And so the the two exchanges that exist in New Jersey have partnered with what they call market makers, who are essentially like almost like finance companies, like hedge funds or whatever. They're willing to put up big amounts of money to create liquidity on the market. So they'll say, we'll offer all these bets to whoever wants to take it for this amount of money. You, when you go onto these, there's profit exchange and sport trade. When you go onto the exchange, it'll show you exactly how much money and liquidity there is. So if say I won Baltimore 
and say there's like $3,500 in liquidity on the bet. Well, that I know I can, I'm going to get $3,500. No one's going to limit me or tell me, no, I can take every penny of that. I can take more if I'm willing to be the market maker, if I'm willing to say, okay, I'll post on the exchange that if anybody wants the other side of this bet, I'll take more. Mm. And then other people can come and take mine. And what does the, uh, how does the exchange make money? They take 2% from all the winners, a, a flat 2% essentially commission. And they'll even cut those commissions for people that'll be market makers or will bet in volume. And it's just fair. There's no there's no denying any bets. There's nobody that's worried they're not going to get paid. There's no bet going to review. You know, it's very open and clean and clear about, you know, how this all works. And the market make, I mean, the uh, exchange, they don't make, they're not, they don't have a position against us. They're not gambling against us. They make their commission regardless. regardless. So they have no interest in what, whether I win or lose the bet. So they're willing to give it to me. What we see in New Jersey now is that sports uh, exchanges are marketing them. They're marketing that they want people to use them to arbitrage bets. So they'll go on, they'll even tweet this out. They'll be like, Hey, right now, DraftKings, you can bet both sides of this game, bet it at DraftKings and then bet the other side with us and make a guaranteed profit. That's what they're, no other sports book is doing this. No. In fact, it's against the terms of service at every other sports book for you to, I mean, not that they would ever be able to know, but it's against their terms of service for you to, you know, uh, to arbitrage yeah, yeah. their bets. And when they find out that you're arbing their bets, if they suspect you're arbing bets, they'll limit you dr dramatically. Of course. Yeah. Dramatically. They don't want you to have but any the exchanges are one, they're, they're, they're putting on seminars, teaching people how to do this because they don't give a shit. So this is why I think this is the real future for the sports better is to have more exchanges in the market so that we can play the exchange against the sports book. Damn. I love that you bring up like the peer to peer. And I know you said it's a little, it's a little similar to that because that used to be my take. George, a couple of mm -hmm. years ago, I'm like, the future of sports betting would be peer-to-peer. -peer. Mm. You eliminate this. And obviously, you could do that, like, on your own, right? Like, me and you Correct. can just, like, bet. Yeah. But, but you I'm do saying, need like, uh, yeah, have it an like, outside party. Be, yeah, exactly. Um, and there's another, now in Tennessee, they have, I can't remember what they're called, but Tennessee has a new sports book they just licensed who are also trying out a, peer, a direct peer-to-peer, -peer, not an exchange, but, like, a direct peer-to-peer -peer system there. So... You know, different, new, some of these new states, we get to try out some of these different interesting models about how to how to make this business work. But the thing about the exchange is that it's it's a tried and true model. It's not something new and innovative. In Europe, the Betfair has existed forever and it's massive. So I don't think we need to just have exchanges. I don't think it's like a, 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 a solely exchange model is what we need, but we need big exchanges that we can use in this sort of price shopping situation. We need people who will book and we need people who will, you know, we need exchanges and we can sort of play this, play them together. This is why I like having these conversations with him because this is something we didn't talk about last year because it wasn't right. a thing. So having this update with David every year is dope oh, yeah. because it just adds a new wrinkle. I want to go back a little bit to when we were talking about FanDuel and DraftKings. One thing that I love that they do to the point that I got in my car to drive to Arizona to be able to take advantage of this and why I think they're very successful and the most popular, not only because of the marketing, they do reload bonuses. Mm -hmm. They do match deposit bonuses. And they offered me one $500 match deposit. And I'm like, yeah, for my futures for the football season, I usually put about $1,000 down every football season. Now I only need to put 500 and they're going to give me the rest. That's why I think FanDuel and DraftKings are so successful because they'll give those to you randomly. Mm -hmm. It could be a UFC weekend and, and they'll do the parlay insurance, right? Like how many times have you seen people complain? Oh my God, dude, I went, I went six of seven. What the, they'll give you parlay insurance up to a certain amount of money. If you go five of six, we'll refund your bet at least. Yeah. They're not going to give you a five legger now because then they'd go out of business, but 
that's why I think they've gotten an edge on the sports book too, because I tell people to, yeah, bro, you got to take advantage of that. Someone's giving you a bonus. You got to take advantage of that. I talk about this shit all the time in, in 2021 when it got legal in New York, sorry, 2022. And uh, it was around the playoff time. Every sports book, you remember you were there. They were giving you all these bonuses. There was a, you could make about $8,000 in New York just on sign up Sonic, bonuses yeah. in New York. And bro, it was still, crazy. It was a sports betting stimulus check. That's what we were calling it. And that money's no. not forever. I mean, like I said before, they offer this money. They're taking an L on this because they want to capture market share. Bingo. So their calculation is I'm going to lose money. I'm going to give all these guys all this money to get them to sign up and I'm going to have them, I'm going to capture them. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, their action will be with me. It won't be with this other sports book. And then that's where they justify the expense, but it's only for new customers, right? right. Once you're in, once they got you, they got you. And then they start, they get much more stingy with these bonuses, particularly if you win and they, they start to really slow it down. Now, if you lose, and this is where they kind of suck, right? Cause when you lose, they keep throwing it at you. They're like, give us more. Here's a bonus. You know, if you, if you bust the account, they're like, reload. Here's your bonus. Reload. Cause they want you to keep losing. Right. But if you win, they ain't giving you none of this kind of stuff. If you're up on the account, they're going to be like, wait, they're going to wait for you to lose some of it back before they'll give you anything. If you ever see these free, free bet bonuses and someone has like a $2,000 free bet bonus, chances mm-hmm. are he's a shitty better. <laughs> like they're taking advantage <laughs> of that, right? Like it's true. It's true. And the, the, what, what we see happening around the country right now is a lot of people are really figuring out how to make good money at this by getting their like, sisters, girlfriends, wives, brothers, uncles, or whatever to sign up and showing them how to do this and chopping the money with them and stuff. This money, I think people should go get it because it's not, it's not forever. It's going to go away, right? Once we see this market kind of, especially state by state, once your market is sort of solidified, that free money goes away. And we just saw Kentucky is, I guess Kentucky's the newest state to open up. And Kentucky did not have the same amount of bonuses we've seen in other states because it's a smaller market, right? New York had this bonanza because New York was the brass ring. There's so much, there's so much market to get there. But when they opened up Kentucky, it's such a small state, they're not given as much bonus money there. But California is the last one. When when California goes, I think California, when they finally le- legalize this and and license sportsbooks there, there's going to be so much money in the first few months of that. It's going to be a freaking gold rush. I mean, I'll move to California to get some of that money because it's yeah, going to be gonna big. S- what uh, what other states are you looking for legalization in 2024? Well, I don't like, think California uh, is going to come in 2024. I think it's it's a long way off because it's complicated. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, they just had a vote. They had a statewide referendum in California. There were two um, ballot measures on the same ballot to legalize sports betting. They both failed. They both failed because one of them was a measure that I think was put up by the tribal casinos and the other one was put up by the sports books. and and then um, the big, a lot of the sports betting industry wanted them both to fail because they were so restrictive, right? And mm-hmm. who could actually book bets? So we still haven't been able to figure out in California, you know, in California, there's so many political forces at play between tribal gaming, uh, commercial gaming, and and then, you know, the, the rest of the casino industry about who's going to be in the racetrack industry, who's going to benefit from this. So they got to figure out the politics. But when they do, you know, I think California is going to be just massive. I think that's going to be a big, big deal. You know, other than California, what are the big states left that, that, that haven't moved it yet? I don't know. Texas, I guess, but uh, I would put Texas way down the line here too. Although Texas has some interesting stuff going on right now with poker. Mm. And the longer that poker continues to grow in Texas, undisturbed by the state government, the more I would imagine that 
sports betting companies are probably looking at Texas and saying like, maybe we could do this. You know, there's a fairly libertarian streak among the, the Republicans in Texas right now. Maybe they will allow this, but it's, it's yet to be seen what's going to happen there. I mean, dude, one of the big ones that just went down was Florida. Mm -hmm. They're Florida. allowing mobile now. Yep. And then I think it's like December 7th, 8th, like around there you could go in person too. That was a big one that we always wanted to fall. Yeah. In Ohio, Texas. Ohio's a big one. Mm. And the Cali. Ohio's got it now. It's only a matter of time, dude. Because I remember when we first linked up, it was when Jersey went down. That's right. And then a year later, or a year and a half later, New York goes down. And then the floodgates opened. And dude, it was like eight states. Now they're up to 36 now. Plus, but I, I either have mobile or, uh, or in person. Right. And we see it. It is true that a lot of states have it. But when you really get down on a granular level and look, some of these states only have two providers, right? Some of these states have it, but they don't have mobile. And some of these states are very small markets anyway. Right. So even though you see a, whatever it is, 30 something states now, I mean, you know. The mo most of the handles in like Jersey and New and York. And Illinois and New York. Yes, the big states would be, you know, that's that's where the that's where the real business and where- The not birthplace only where, of degenerates. And that's where you City. see multiple sports books that are being licensed, right? Yeah. Because there's more, then you would want more options for the user. Yeah. And I, and so the bigger states are, you know, are allowing more people to come in and get licensed. Also, the licensing fees in these states are huge. You know, it's impossible what is it? for it. What is it? Millions, like, millions yeah. of dollars just to pay for a license. So they're also making it where established companies, the only ones that are going to be able to move in when they move, you know, when they, when they open up, it's very hard to break in if you don't already have a massive amount of money. So that's, that, that's tough too. And then the tax rates are different state by state too. And so New York, here's a funny story. Like last time you and I talked, one of the things we talked about was how New, I think New York people thought, well, New York may fail because it has one of the highest tax rates on sports books of any of the states in New Jersey's right next door with a lower tax rate. It didn't fail the, the, because there's so many gamblers in New York that it didn't matter that the sports book has to pay this enormous amount of tax and they're still making money. Some of these states that are opening up are kind of lower tax states and they're not taxing the sports books at all, you know? So state to state, we see different tax regimes. We see different companies that are booking. We see different rules about how they can book. Mm -hmm. I was just reading this week about how uh, ESPN is the new player, right? It's really just pen, but you know, Barstool. So Barstool was a, a acquired book, by but pen. it was really yeah, pen. Yeah. It was like a skin that they used to, to brand themselves to try to get college kids to, they dumped Barstool because it didn't work out for them. They went with ESPN. This is their new big attempt to try to like rebrand themselves. And in Massachusetts, they have in their law in Massachusetts that you can't advertise uh, anywhere on college campuses, sports betting anywhere in the state, right? So ESPN now, because part of their big plan was they were going to use ESPN to like market. Now they had to figure out how do we comply with the law in Massachusetts? Because we're on the air in Massachusetts. We do college game day sometimes. But, so that you see, it gets very complicated when you have a national sports betting company, but every state has their own rules. Right. Every state has their So it's kind of messy, but I think that Ultimately, it's just the big states that matter. And really, we're just, it's going to sort of stay the way it is until California breaks. Do you think it'll ever be a governmental type thing where if, if they approve every state having this and, and the government applies a certain tax across the entire uh, thing or... Like, is that in the realm of possibility or do you think it'll still just be state well, by state? Well, I think we don't, that's not the way casino gaming works in America. So I imagine this won't either. I think this will be a state by state thing forever. Will the state start to sort of- uh, Adopt the same rules? Yeah. 
maybe that there becomes more of a pattern to this because the companies, the corp, these, these companies will get bigger and more powerful, you know what I mean? And then they'll get to write the legislation themselves because that's how it works in America, right? Like big, comp, big corporations write the laws. Mm-hmm. So like a big gaming company, like, you know, whatever, uh, MGM or something like that, they go into these States where they want to operate and they write the law. They say to the, they, they say to their lobbies, this is what we want. And that's what they get. One day DraftKings and FanDuel may have that kind of, you know, yeah, they might cool. have that kind of clout that they can write the stores gambling laws. We should, uh, we should write a show about this kind of like succession, but like sports betting. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. us changing the laws. There, bro. there is a lot Let's right now. There are a lot of sports betting shows that are getting green lit right now. I think I we're imagine. about to see a bunch of them. There's this Omaha, you know, um, Peyton Manning's company, Omaha productions. They just green lit a show called sharps. There's another one that I heard about. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of interest right now in Hollywood for sports betting content. Scripted sports betting content. Mm. So this is the right time to do it, guys. I saw Cam, please. <laughs> I mean, like, what are we doing? If we're going to pick somebody, you got to go with the best. This, <laughs> this is where we're at. Been doing this a long time. All right? This ain't no gimmick. This is a lifestyle. So em- embrace it. And let's get it. All right? And while we're here, look. Take a look at this map. These are the states... There's a lot more green than red and gray, right? Right. And that's where we're at with sports betting right now, as far as 36 states. Yeah. And the only reds that matter are Texas and California on that map. Yeah. The two most populous states in America, but they matter a lot. That's, that's big market there. That's the one that's going to open once, once it's those two. Like I think Florida going through with it before 2023 ends, I think eventually, dude, it's just, there's just so much money available. You know? I got to figure that the only thing keeping... Uh, the only thing keeping the street bookies in business right now is Californians. <laughs> Once California legalizes it, we may put a lot of bookies out of business. Dude, truthfully, I haven't used the bookies since it got legal. Is that right? I haven't. No. I only, it mentally, I feel better. Yeah, I got 200 bucks. I'll bet it. I no longer need to work on credit, yeah. which was a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, shit, now I got to pay this guy $500. Oh my God, I can't believe it. You know it. when it matters though is like, if you, so you bet parlays. So say you got a big parlay working and you're going into the last leg and it's going to pay a lot and you need to hedge it. You're not going to post up, you know, 10 dimes at FanDuel. They're not going to take the bet. You got to call a credit bookie for that. So anytime you get in a situation like that, you're going to want to have somebody on your phone that you can call yeah, <laughs> to not, do something like that. That's, that's the only time in really for regular guys like us, but we've that we had would ever need to make we've thousands these, of dollars of a bet on credit is if you had a parlay that was yeah, alive. We've, we've had these conversations about hedging in the past. Uh-huh. That you should never hedge. I don't hedge. But you don't hedge. You don't hedge unless it's like a, you know, a bankroll difference maker. Yeah, you know, like if, something if, that's going to change your life. Exactly. You, you hedge it. If it's, if it's a two, $300 difference, nah, bro, I'm going to let that. it ride. Yeah. If it's like, yo, I could buy a Porsche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, not maybe, I'll definitely consider Or it. you you hedge if some information comes out too. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you find out something that makes you want out of your bet. Yeah, like say, you know, I'm, injury, in, I'm, in like the, I'm in the Circa contest, right? Yeah. Hypothetical. We get down to week 18. We bet the, one of our picks is the Sunday night game. And we get word that we're tied with the person in first. Mm-hmm. They don't have nothing on the game. And we took, I don't know, we took the Chiefs minus three. And we know for a fact that no one could catch us. If the Chiefs cover, we win a million dollars. There, I might be like, yo, we got to. You need not- to find someone that'll give you that kind of credit. And yeah. also and also in an hour and a half. Yeah. That happened. Thing. I think that happened last year, didn't it? 
where somebody- It might've been it, in, in Survivor. Yeah, I think that that happened where somebody was scrambling, trying to figure out how to like, you know, cover. It was the Steelers game. I feel like I have this memory of this game and they could not, you know, they could just couldn't figure out how to get down enough, right? I, I remember hearing the story, but I don't remember all the details. Like something yeah. like that. And then with the World Cup last year, a dude had like an eight-leg FanDuel parlay. Mm, I remember that Where one. he picked like the Georgia Bulldogs to win the national title. Whoever won it, I think Kansas won the college basketball championship. And then like he hit all these like champions and the last one was France. Mm -hmm. And it was like 25 bucks to win 280,000. He ended up cashing out. Worked out for him because Argentina ends up winning in penalty kicks, uh, plus plus nine hundred on the Patreon if you guys were paying attention then. But that was a situation where if he was to let it ride, yeah, dude, that's two hundred eighty thousand dollars. This is why I, I lament. I, I, I we need to preserve the old school credit bookie, street bookies. They need to, you know we need to keep. Layoff bookmakers, I hope that they never go away because some people need them in a pinch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time, that was how the that was how the economy worked, how the gambling economy worked, right? Was it was a national network of bookmakers. If it all goes totally corporate, you know, it'll be much harder to be able to do stuff like that. We're yeah, running dude. up on we're running up on time. You have a last question for him? Yeah, no, I was I was just about to say I grew up in Vegas. That my bookie was all these sports books, casinos. How would one even go about trying to find one? Is there like a, is it just you need to know a guy type of situation? Yeah, I think it, like, uh, you know, anybody that's watching sports at a bar, you know, strikes up a conversation with somebody is, you know, if you know somebody, it's harder these days because now there's so much regulated sports betting. Everybody bets with DraftKings and FanDuel. In the old days, if you knew somebody was sweating a game, you could ask them who they bet with, you know what I mean? And they could connect you with someone. True, true. But I also think that like-, like a Reddit page is what I was thinking. There's, there's, there's just people that operate like, um, there's a lot of people that operate on college campuses. And I think, for, you know, that that's a, that's a, always a fertile ground for people that like bigger bookmakers who I think have college students working as agents for them on campuses. You know, that's another place to sort of get roped in with these guys. But, you know, the, like I said before, I use unabated for my odd screen. They have PPH, you know, paperhead books on the screen and, um, a lot of these odd screens you, you, and sometimes, and I don't, you know, bet on a lot of PPHs anymore, but like when you look and see what some of the, the PPH, all the bookies use these paper heads, right? And you look and see what sometimes the best price will be at those places, you know, and you want to have access to that out. So for people who want a lot of outs, you want to have a lot of regulated books. You want to have a uh, exchange. You want to have uh, access to a, an offshore book if you can, like Pinnacle, right? And you want to have access to a paperhead if you can get it, because sometimes that's where the best line is too. So I hope these guys don't go away because they're a whole nother part of the market. It's another place to price shop. It's not just about credit. You know, sometimes they got the best price. Yeah. And that's True. one way that they could stay, stay in business too. Is by, they they well, move on action more. Yeah. Like a lot of these guys will move more on action than off of just copying the line like FanDuel does. So that's sometimes where you can find a good, a good number. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, this was, this was fantastic. I always mean, a pleasure. This is, it's always good to just see the growth of sports betting. It's something that we're really passionate about over here on the show. And obviously you are too. And, just like I said, man, I'm going to go back and listen to the other conversations. I remember like the number 11 for the amount of states. And now we're up to 36. And who knows a year from now when you're back in town or the next time we have you on, maybe they're like over 40. You well, know? last so time I was here, last time I was on the show, I remember you and I were talking about how Formula One, it might be coming to Vegas, you know, yeah. and like, and now here we are and, and I'm covering the race. And so like, uh, and I'm hoping I'll be back for the Super Bowl. So maybe that'll be the next time I can, uh. Let's do it, Joe. man. Let's do it. This Let is the, the new sports capital of the United States right here, Las Vegas. Oh, you know it. Yeah. 
You ain't kidding, man. Where can people find you, David, on social media? Well, I'm on Twitter. I'm DaveHill77 on Twitter. Um, my website is DavidHillOnline.com. And uh, if you want to listen on Thursday mornings, I'm on Sirius Channel 219 giving out my NFL picks, which your listeners don't need because they already get them from uh, you guys. But uh, if you care to hear what I have to say and what I'm picking in the contest, tune in at Sirius XM 219 on Thursdays at 11 o'clock Eastern. I've definitely listened to you before. I told that to Nick tell, like, before the show. He's like, I'm having this guy on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, I used I to know. host the podcast Gamblers for The Ringer. Yep, yep. yep. Well, uh, even beyond that, did, were you on AM, like ESPN radio out here locally? I might have been. I mean, when I was out here, yeah, probably. I think uh, there's, a, there's a guy out here who mentions your content a lot. Yeah, I've been on a show here. I've been on a couple shows out here to promote, tip, you know, the Gamblers podcast mainly. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been on VSIN before, so yeah. Definitely. It was man. a pleasure, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Likewise. We'll go to break now and then we'll come back with some more VM. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. And guys, as you know, we've talked about this in the past. One of the main rules of life no dick, no hope. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You could take them anytime, day or night, so you could plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew tablets are made in the U.S. and prepared, shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Also, congrats on the sex if you are having it. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code VM at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's Bluetooth.com promo code VM to receive your first month free. Visit Bluetooth.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluetooth for sponsoring this podcast. And to all of you that are taking Bluetooth, congrats on the sex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with David Hill and shout out to George for joining me on that one. We actually recorded that last week, but it's, it's a cool conversation just to always have David on. You guys have heard him in the past. He comes on the show around this time every year and we kind of talk about the state of sports betting and moving forward as we, you know, we're about like six weeks away from the new year. So moving into 2024. So glad uh, to have David on. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Give us some feedback at Veterans Minimum. Let us know what you guys think. Before we move on to Alan joining the show, we need to give a shout out to Fly Me Out. Fly Me Out was actually in Vegas for Formula One, one of their events that they planned. And what they do is they scout and curate trips to some of the world's most exciting locations. Those who join only need to purchase their slot and they take care of everything else from logistics to activities to tables and bottles and chairs. Oh my, everything. They put that shit together. Listeners of Veterans Minimum, if you ever feel the urge to break away and discover the world and travel with a like-minded tribe, let us introduce you to Fly Me Out, the premier, tro- the premier social travel club. Imagine if LinkedIn, Airbnb, and Raya had a travel-loving baby. Whether you're looking to network with professionals on a beach or bond with creatives in the heart of a city like Las Vegas, Fly Me Out has got you covered. Dive into curated experiences and with their platform, it's never been easier to find your tribe. Don't just travel. Make memories with Fly Me Out. When you go and download the app, you guys go and use the code VM1. You will get expedited application review. You will be plugged in. It's a long wait. A long way to get on there, but with the promo code VM1, might be able to skip the line. You know what I'm saying? So use the promo code VM1 for expedited application review. And shout out to Fly Me Out being one of the main sponsors of Veterans Minimum. And with that being said, my dog, A-double-L-E-N on the other end. I hope to see you this weekend as the boy is traveling back home to the East Coast Uh I don't know if it's the best coast, Alan, anymore, in my opinion, but it is the coast that made old Dirt McGirt who he is today. Yeah, I would agree with you. I love LA. I love the West Coast, so I would probably go with that. But yeah, big reunion is in store this weekend for sure. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Always, always nice to see everybody when I come back home. And, you know, I should be traveling more to go back home, but busy out here, man. You know, this time of year, and with everything that we got going on in the studio, we just wrapped up the Formula One week and a half, which was, it was a zoo. It was, uh, it was like Bash at the Beach 1998, Alan. It was crazy up in here. I mean, Formula One's taking over, man. Just the spectacle of it. And now that the United States is getting involved, it's just, it's going to get even crazier from here. You're going to elevate. Dude, I want to talk about, obviously, football. But it's around the time of year Every year you see this post Thanksgiving, right? All the good teams start to come out. Now the teams that are on the cusp of being a contender, some go the pretender route, but it's around this time every year where we see that team that we think might take the next jump and get hot right before the playoffs come around. It's always around this time. So kind of want to play a game with you and, and get an idea of who you think those teams might be or might not be. And I have a couple candidates here, as I'm sure you do as well. And I just want to like pick your brain, bro. See, get get the pulse of these teams. Because I, I think it was Bill Belichick that famously said that things don't really start coming intense until after Thanksgiving. So 
without previewing too much as far as like game by game, we're going to do some game of the week stuff at the end, but what's a team that you're looking at that you think can get right post Thanksgiving? Well, they're already kind of an upward trajectory, but I am over the moon about them. Houston Texans put them on a rocket ship. I think they're ready to go. And it's not just that fact that CJ Stroud is playing MVP level and their whole line's really coming intact. I do think their defense, particularly in their front four, they have just built really well. I know the Will Anderson pick was criticized at the time, saying they got too, gave up too much. He's like the centerpiece, and he's generating pressure at a very consistent rate. And you have Jonathan Greenyard, and then the veterans, Malik Collins and Sheldon Rankins. Like, they know they generate pressure, and then you have a defensive mind like D'Amico Ryans that knows how to take these role players and maximize them. So uh, Houston Texans, I think we all know about their offense. I think they're arguably not a top five offense, but I think they're like the most explosive and most exciting offense to watch right now. Besides the Dolphins and maybe the Eagles, like they're just firing all cylinders. And I do think easy schedule benefits them as well. That said, like, you got to love how well coached they are and the fact they have a quarterback that he might be the next superstar in this league. Dude. To, to bring another sport over, and they're kind of in the same region of the country too. It's fascinating what's happening with the Texans in Houston and also what's happening with Oklahoma City Thunder. Because if you think about it, Alan, right? About a decade ago, we're looking at the Thunder and we're saying, dude, they got so many generational talents on the roster. They have such a young roster. They go to the finals. They lose to the Heat. But you're looking at it. Durant, 22, 23, Russ, 23, 24, Harden is there, Ibaka is there. Like, they got all these pieces, and you're saying to yourself, dude, moving forward, that's going to be a team to, like, pay attention to. And then everything just blows up, right? Like, five years later, it's just Russ, and then a year after that, he's gone. And then if you look at what's happening in Houston, bro, they had Watson, who at one point, dude, we were doing this show together. I was saying, bro, I saw it in my homes. He might be the guy I would want to build around in the NFL. And then everything that transpired off the field, his injuries, and then he leaves Houston. And you're looking at it like, damn, yo, Houston had this talent. And then how are they going to be able to replace him? And they replace him with probably a better quarterback. I know it's still early, but what he's doing down there in Houston and look, man, it's not like he got Justin Jefferson on his team. He don't got a Cooper Cup. He got guys that are first and second and third year players that now are becoming household names. Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Noah Brown was like a fantasy wi a waiver wire pickup the last couple of weeks. And it's crazy how they went from what the hell is going to happen in Houston to a quick rebuild within a year. And we see this shit happen all the time, too. And they already have a win over the Jaguars, but they beat them in Jacksonville. Now they play them this weekend. They're playing in Houston. Bro, you know, they're a game back. This is the winner of this game, probably in the forefront of the division. So I'm with you, man. I know he's a rookie, but I'm not, I don't think it's MVP. I think it's a little crazy. And he did throw many interceptions yesterday, but. You're right, dude. The culture that D'Amico Ryans is building down there, the, the draft capital that they've hit on the last couple of years, it's hard to not be excited about what's happening in Houston. Agreed. Yeah. It's probably slow, too. Like, they went from that San Francisco system, like, the way uh, they obviously use a lot of passion. But what I think the great thing about Stroud is just how mature he is in the pocket. And 
He's not afraid of any throw. I, and I know sometimes that can be detrimental because you don't want young quarterbacks to feel like they could hit every passing window because it leads to turnovers. But other than really yesterday and maybe that ugly interception against uh, Cincinnati, like he's been pretty much flawless this year. And I don't want to get into MVP discussion, but I don't think it's far-fetched to put him in that conversation. He's been that good, and he's elevating the team. Like you don't see too many young quarterbacks elevating their team. Usually it's the other way around. You win with them, not because of him. Right now, the Texans are winning because of him, and that's really just the mark of a special player. So a lot of excitement to be had, and I, they've and it's also encouraging to see him find a running game because I just, the thing about Damian Pierce and like the zone blocking scheme they're saying is not a fit for him. Devin Singletary just looks smooth in there, and he's finding the holes and he's just hitting them. So the fact that they now have a balanced attack because early on the season they were very imbalanced. So now you have that balance. It's, things are getting exciting there. It wouldn't shock me if, A, they won division, and why can't they win a playoff game at this point? Because AFC, I still think it's a very strong conference, but things have kind of blown up over the past few weeks given these quarterback injuries. Dude, are you a mind reader, bro? Because I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. I'm like, So right now what I have in front of me to pull the current back is I got the AFC and NFC playoff picture right now on NFL.com. And I'm looking at it. And you know what's on my mind, bro? It potentially could be a cakewalk for Kansas City in the AFC. At the time we're recording, right? At the time we're recording, they we still don't know what happens Monday Night Football, right? Because the game is going to be going on. But it's Miami. It's Jacksonville. Obviously, we know about the Ravens. But, you know, you got the, you got the Steelers holding a playoff spot. You have the Browns. You have Houston. Like I said, Miami, it's, I don't know if there's teams that I trust a quarterback or I trust a, the team going into a Kansas City and getting the job done. And I think they're just going to have the clear quarterback advantage. And also, bro, like to, to talk about Houston again, to put a bow on Houston, because I like that you brought them up. That was a team that I was definitely looking at too. I kind of want to bet them to win the division. And I think... I would bet them to win the division instead of bet them on the money line this week because you can get a really good number. You can still get like plus 185, plus 195 on wager attack right now for them to win the division. And then right now, the betting line for this game, Alan, because they do play them play each other this weekend, um, you're looking at it as something where they are... Hold on, this just auto-refreshed. Uh, they're underdogs this week against the Jaguars on the road, the Jaguars going into Houston. So, and you know, it's like plus 110, plus 120 either way, where you can get plus 185, plus 200 on the division. I'd rather do that. Uh, so from a betting angle, but then when you look at their schedule too, bro, and uh shout out to the Texans, man, it feels like we haven't spoken about them uh, for many years and now they're getting some love. They got the Jaguars at home. They got the Broncos at home. They go to the Jets, to Tennessee, they play Cleveland and Tennessee at home, and then they end the year at Indianapolis. Bro, they probably have a quarterback advantage in every single game, except for maybe if you're buying into the Bronco hype, the Bronco momentum, which kind of the team I'm looking at, bro. Remember the... the no, they're excited, but you're, you're out of your mind if you think Russell Wilson's better than CJ Stroud right now. I thought you were going to go with Trevor. You could still make a case at Trevor. If you want to rank Trevor or CJ Stroud, fine, but Russell Wilson, let's... Dude, Russ, Russ is, is playing good, good game manager, fundamental football. I'll give him that, but he's not, he's not carrying the Broncos right now. You don't think he's, you don't think so? 
I think he's carrying them, bro. I mean, the Buffalo game, did you not see Javante Williams run the ball over 25 times? Have you not seen the defense force three turnovers? You've not seen Cortland Sutton make back-to-back acrobatic catches. I like how Russ is, like I said, protecting the ball, timely scrambles. I think losing 15 pounds is really benefiting him in terms of being more elusive. But come on, man. He's a game manager right now. Sean Payton knows that. That's why he's making sure he's making the game simpler for him because you don't really see the Broncos running many complex pass con- uh, concepts. It's very much get the ball out quick or we're going to hit Sutton on a deep vertical route. I do want to take a victory lap real quick because they are on a winning streak. And this is the Denver Bronco team. I was telling people they should go and bet on to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Because, look, if if you take away the Miami Dolphin game, which it's never happened before, right? They put up 70 points. And then the game after where they struggled. Well, Denver has been pretty good defensively, too. And I think that's a big part of their turnaround, right? Like, they gave up 70. And then they gave up 28 to the... Um, Chicago Bears, and then they gave up 31 to the Jets. And then after that, it's like, look, they lose to they lose to Kansas City when Russ played absolutely awful. They threw like 90 yards in that game, bro. If you can't throw over... Short week, too. Short, short week and arrowheads. Yeah, tonight, yeah, that was a Thursday. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, to defend them, you're right. And then after that, bro, they got it together, right? Like, they beat the, the Packers. They beat the Chiefs. They beat... Um, they beat Buffalo. They beat Minnesota. Now they play Cleveland this week. They're playing them at home. They're they're getting they're playing really well. And look, man, you look at the schedule. They got Cleveland at home. Then they go to Houston. Game will probably be a pick 'em depending on how Houston does this week. Uh, I would assume just to look at it, or maybe one or two point line either way. Then they go to the Chargers. Well, there's gonna be seventy percent Bronco fans there. They go to Detroit, which is gonna be fun. And then they close out against Patriots, Chargers at home. And then they got the Raiders to end the year. There's, there's a path where they can maybe, you know, the rest of the way, they could maybe lose two games. And then they could get, they could get to that number of double-digit wins. What I'm concerned about is these three wins they've had, I think they've had a plus three, if not more, turnover differential like they've gotten a lot of turnovers but i do think some of those turnovers were more self-inflicted like i'm not sure if the, the amount of turnovers they're causing right now is uh sustainable like you look at like the gabe davis dropping the inbreaker that easily should have been caught uh dobbs has a free fumble mass has free fumble. Mahomes had the flu game where he was reckless with the ball so like they're uh, they're playing good fundamental football i love the youth movement you know just no point keeping guys like Gregory or Frank Clark if they're not there. I love Brandon Browning. Like, there's no denying that like, Champagne's had a huge impact. I'm just not sure how sustainable is how they're winning right now because you can't have a plus three turnover the rep differential every week. Well, if you think about it though, like that that's credit to the defense. They're playing better. And then also what you said, Russ is taking care of the football. Uh, he has the highest mm-hmm. TD to interception ratio in the league. And yeah, he's a game manager now. That's fine. We saw Peyton Manning be a game manager and win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that they're winning the Super Bowl, but I think if I, I think that's a good thing on the coach to understand that, yo, this guy ain't it. That ain't he can't do what he once was doing. So he needs to be a game manager. And they've they've turned it around. They got a little healthy. The defense is playing a lot better. And 
I think this is a team that can compete for a playoff spot to end the year. And I think they're, they're getting hot at the right time and their schedule is pretty favorable the rest of the way, which was another reason why I like them. Um, I like them coming into the year. And also, you know how I feel about one score games. They're winning a lot of these one score games that they were losing the year before. So that's coaching. That's the ball just bouncing your way. That's Russ playing better also. And RG3 put out a tweet and he was like, yo, where's everyone at that was slandering Russ? He's not he's not an MVP candidate, but it's massive improvement for what he was last year. And I don't think he's a scapegoat anymore in Denver. Yeah, no, he's, he's proven he could still be a star in this league, which was severely in question going this year because it, it just he was a total liability. But I think now he's just making the better decisions and he's just more elusive because it seemed like people were wondering about his age, it's like, no, I think he's put on whether it's too much muscle or weight. Like, he just looks so big and stocky. Now, I think just taking a more measured approach. And I love the chemistry with Sun because Russ has always been a good vertical thrower. Like, he knows how to put in a position where, you know, if he has a big vertical threat, he's going to make sure the ball is where the, uh, his receiver can make it. Like, that touchdown throw, multiple ones to Sutton in the past two games have just been, you want to talk about right on the money where, you know, you, your receiver is in a position where, you know, a corner really can't make a play on the ball. It's brilliant because Sun has that huge frame. He could box you out, and it's, it's great to watch. So, no, there's a lot to be excited about Denver. I just – it's just these next two games are being pivotal. Like you mentioned, the Browns, Texans, like they have the least split because if they lose both those, then I don't know. I feel like they're kind of out of the conversation because there's going to be a lot of tiebreakers there. There is. There is. Staying with the AFC, there's another team that's kind of like, man, I don't know how to feel about them, but – I don't want to react to them getting rid of the coordinator and then Josh Allen playing well because I also think that's the Jets just being horrible. Um, they just moved Zach Wilson. They demoted him to third string. Uh, shortly after that, he'll be in the XFL. That's usually the trajectory that you go down. Um, what do you make of Buffalo, bro? Because this is a team, a lot of questions coming into the year. They get rid of the coordinator and then Josh Allen... Plays really well on Sunday. Um, is that a team you think we could get behind that could get hot? I just, as much as you want to believe in an elite quarterback play and you know, they could score 30 points any game, there's no denying that, but they just don't have the horses defensively. As I think Ed Oliver's playing all pro level and the Rasul Douglas trade is like one of the best moves in recent trade deadlines. That defense is still very vulnerable. They, the Broncos had like 37 minutes of possession when they played. Like, you you can't win in the league like this. And then you turn it over as much as they did. Like, it's just concerning how Buffalo's they're not great in the trenches. Offensive line shaky, and they just don't have the playmakers. Like, maybe if Knox comes back, you pair him with Kincaid, it'll work. But like Gabe Davis, enough is enough. Like, you cannot make him a. He's a secondary option at best. Like, he is just too mistake prone. And I just I still don't like how the Dorsey trade went down. I do think Joe Brady did some good things against the Jets, but I mean, you, we've been looking at schedules. Why don't you go look at the Bills schedule, and then you kind of realize why you would have trepidation over them making a big run because they're literally playing Super Bowl contenders the rest of the way. I mean, their next three is at Philly this week, bye week, Kansas City, Dallas. Holy shit. <laughs> That is a bloodbath right you there. Be ready. Yeah, you got to be ready. And that offensive line that's very vulnerable, they better be ready because we're talking about three ferocious fronts. Dude, 
and I don't know if it's my preseason bias that's coming into this. You know what team crossed my mind when I was watching them this weekend? And it's also because they played the Chargers and they just always play dumb fucking games every time. I kind of hear some talk about the Packers. Yo, so so look, hear me out, right? I think Jordan Love, it's been a roller coaster, which is what we all expected also coming into the year. One of the reasons why there was so much uncertainty with the Packers. You look at the roster, you like everything about them except for Jordan Love, it was fair to not have an answer on him because we just didn't know. It was such an unknown. With that being said, it's been a roller coaster because of that. A lot of guys have been in and out the lineup, but when they're healthy, I like what I see. And their schedule, that this is also tough, right? Because they're four and six. They play at Detroit this weekend. Well, uh, Thanksgiving. You might have already heard this uh, preview before. And then they play Kansas City, then at the Giants, home Tampa Bay, at Carolina, at Minnesota, home Chicago. And if they could split there's wins there, if they yeah, there's there's a lot of wins there. If they could split this, go one and one, steal one of the games between Detroit and Kansas City. I think that's a team that you should take seriously that could get hot. If, if Aaron Jones is out for extended period of time. Don't think this conversation is worth it because to me he's the heart of their offense. Without him, they just don't have that engine. Like they don't have the, that game changing player. That Christian Watson's been a total disappointment. They have good promising talent. I think Jane Reed's someone to watch. If you want to talk about someone that could take the top off the defense ball, so utilize him on end of rounds. He's dangerous. But that that Packers offense just doesn't have much right now, and like they desperately need Aaron Jones, and it looks like he might be out for some time. So. It's hard for me to get behind him because you just can't trust that defense. Like the Packers defense has been perennial underachievers for years, and it's just it's not getting better. And you, know, you want to talk about coordinators, like everyone likes to make fun of Matt Canada. I think Joe Barry is another one that he should have he should have been gone like a year or two ago. Like they've kept on to him for too long. So uh, I don't really like. I think Jordan Love's been fine. I just think what's been around them, especially the defense, has really held back the Packers. It's hard for me to get behind that. We've talked a lot about teams that are on the outside looking in. I have a team on the inside that I think is not going to be there uh, post Thanksgiving. Why? Where do I? Where do I think I know you're going with this? All right. Why don't you guess? You're gonna go against the Seahawks. No, actually, not AFC Ooh, team. Okay. Uh, Cleveland. Wow. Okay, I'm intrigued by this. They're seven and three. They're second in the AFC North. They're only a game back of Baltimore. Um, bro, I think eventually the quarterback is going to become an issue. I think it could only carry you so long. Um, I know it was a cool moment for uh, DRT. I think that was dope. Uh, DTR, excuse me. Um, I think it was a cool moment, right? He's emotional on the sideline because he got his win and... They just lose Watson for the year. He's going in there. It's in division. It's the big rival. It's the there's a lot of shit going on. And then he he leads them down. They kick up a goal and he's emotional. Dope moment. Awesome. The defense is unbelievable. I think eventually it's gonna turn its head. And I think eventually you you can only like, bro, when you think about it, they lost their franchise quarterback and their best player on offense in Nick Chubb. It's like eventually I think like that's going to become an issue. And for as great as their defense is, you need to, it, 
you could get away with a win in the first round on on like a like if you play like a Jaguars, but then eventually like you're gonna have to play a Lamar, you have to play a Mahomes, and I think at that point it'll be an issue, and I think the rest of the way it might be an issue for them. I'm I'm Wait, not so buying what into. Angle are you thinking here? Are, are you thinking they're not making the playoffs, or you don't think they could challenge for like AFC Championship? Like I'm trying to understand. I think both. I think they don't make the playoffs. So who replaces them? Because so the I don't teams, see those teams there. The the teams that I think replace them are Buffalo. Okay. And I think no one would have guessed this. I think you get two AFC South teams in. Who would have thought that? And unless there's an injury, right? Of course, we, we need to factor for that. And I think Denver, bro. I think Denver's schedule is way more favorable. Cleveland's schedule is at Denver. So this is going to play into it this weekend. It's going to determine a lot of things. Then they play at the Rams, home Jaguars, home Bears, at Houston, home Jets, at Bengals, which is not as intimidating anymore now that Joe Burrow is out. So... I just think eventually it's going to become an issue for them. They're going to need to score points. And I don't think the defense, the defense is great, but I think not having a quarterback is going to be an issue for them. Yeah. And I, I don't know when they're going to commit to Joe Flacco, but I really hope it doesn't happen, but I think it's going to happen. It's just, I don't know what you could make out of Flacco at this point. Like, we'll, like I think Seven Stefanski is one of the better play calls. I think he gets a bad rep for some bizarre reason. I think, I just never got the whole hot seat talk with him. I think he's a, maybe because he's more of a great play caller than coach, but I do think Stefanski gets most of them. And let's not forget Browns, which is why you kind of want to separate them from other teams when it comes to losing their quarterback. They still have one of the best old lines. That old line still bullies teams. So that's why I think they're like, could stabilize. But I, you know, I could definitely see your point. The schedule is not ideal. And uh, at some points, like you got to score 20 points. And I don't know what. Whether it's him or Joe Flacco, I don't. It's just, it's tough. I just, I, I just, it's not ideal for them. Like I have all the quarterbacks they bring, and they bring a thirty-eight-year-old who, let's just say, can't really move. Yeah, it's weird because it, it doesn't fit. It's always, I hate when teams do that. Like bringing a quarterback that kind of is a duplicate of your start starting quarterback. Now, what I mean by that is. Remember when the Ravens went from Flacco to Lamar? It's like the way you built your offense around Flacco is completely different than how you build it around Lamar. Just the two players are different. That's why the next year they built it around Lamar and he goes out there and he wins an MVP. It's like, why couldn't you go to... And there's also not a lot available, which I understand, but... It's yeah, weird, like bro. they drafted Lamar in the first round and had a vision for him. I don't know if that's a good comparison because like... You know, they drafted Lamar in the first round for a reason. They had to be preparing at the back of their mind. Sure, but, but spending a whole offseason yeah. to go into it, it was still Flacco. True. That's yeah, what I'm saying. That's true. Yeah. Lamar was very raw coming into the league. Yeah. I wonder if, if Carson Wentz was available, if they would have gotten Wentz. I think Wentz could, maybe could have been a decent fit for him. But obviously he's on the Rams now. It's just uh, they run a lot of bootlegs. They like to get the quarterback on the move. I just – God, Flacco 38. <laughs> it's just going to be so goofy looking. But I do like Avalon Teaser. You did not um, mention Pittsburgh because I'm just like, if you're going to criticize Cleveland for having a bad QB situation, we got to call how we see it. Like, the Steelers are playing on the back of quarterback right now. Yeah, it's it's bad. 
is Bowhem. They're another one. Right. They're another team. That's why it also, yeah. so everything we're talking about, I think everything applies. And it's also why I think the road for Baltimore and Kansas City, like this is the year for them both. Like it, if it's not them two in the AFC title game, like something catastrophic happened because the rest of the AFC, I think is highly questionable. And you're counting out Miami way too soon. Oh, I've been counting on Miami f- from like when they were getting hot early in middle of October. I think that's a team that they are the Houston Rocket Phoenix Suns of the NFL. They're going to they're playing offense at a different level. They're so explosive, big plays, all this stuff. But I think come playoff time, that's not going to translate. The defense is coming together. It is getting healthy. I'm thinking. The fact that Jalen Ramsey and Teron Armstead are healthy, we're talking about two all-pro caliber players. That's a big deal. It's like you look at San Fran, they're winning now games because and it's a big part with Debo and Trent Williams coming back. When you get players on all-pro level come back from injury, it could it could swing things. I know two has been very turnover prone, but at least now they got the infrastructure where okay, we we can live with that. You know, we don't need two of the throw for four hundred and four touchdowns every game. So I'm just saying, don't count on Miami. I think Miami's still a threat. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just feel like we've seen teams like that in the regular season. And then come playoff time, they're just not. But then again, they went into Buffalo last year and they almost snuck a victory with a backup quarterback. And now they'll have Tua uh, based on how. I just think that they're, they're, they're a different team this year. Like new defensive coordinator, we know how great Vic Fangio is. And they've really upgraded defensively. So I know it, it took a few months, but they're starting to hit their stride. What's a team that you think might not make the playoffs? Is it Pittsburgh? Yeah, Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I, look, everyone loves Tomlin and just them winning ugly, but it's just you want to talk about n- not be able to function offensively. Like other than Jalen Warren, like Jalen Warren outgained their entire team yesterday. That's how lopsided was, and you can't bank on him breaking tackles at this rate. It's just, and even though their defense has a lot of star power. I think you could get them in the secondary. Like they're pretty vulnerable uh, within the middle of the field. So it's just as great as Tomlin is, and as much as they like to muck it up, and they have defensive players that could literally change the game. And Watt Fitzpatrick, there's just no way you can be confident with Pittsburgh right now. It's a struggle for them to score 17 points. Yeah, it is. It's crazy, man. Like it's. I feel like Pickens is going to have a Antonio Brown, Tampa Bay Bucks outbreak at some point where he's just going to be like, man, fuck this guy, Kenny. I can't roll with him, bro. And he's going to be out because there's been so many times where guys are wide open. And it's weird, man, because, dude, I got to see him in person. And there's been flashes this year that it seems like they have such a short leash on him, Kenny Pickett. And when they do let him, like he has some moments, bro, like. He reminded me of Eli Manning in the Giants run of 2011, where he had all these comeback victories. He played like shit for three and a half quarters. And then the last drive or two of the game, it's like he's throwing a bomb to Pickens against Baltimore. And before you know it, they end up winning or he has these moments. And it's weird. It's weird. And that's why I think, like you said before, Matt Canada is on the hot seat. People in Pittsburgh are not happy with him. Every Steeler fan I know is like, yo, F Canada. Like we don't like him at all. So, it's just weird, man. I don't get it. I don't get why they don't just let guys sling. I'd rather you go out there and you let the guy sling it around. And if he makes mistakes, he makes mistakes. At least there, you could pull back. If you're just pulling back from the beginning, 
It's like, bro, you don't see what this guy has. Yeah, uh, he's just never been that accurate, and I think he's good at playing. He's very gutsy. That's one thing I would say about Kenny Pickett. Like, I think last year, that comeback win against the Ravens was a real live opener. It was on, like, Christmas Eve or something, or maybe it was the week after. But I just remember he's won some pretty difficult games where you're just like, okay, this guy has some moxie to him, and, you know, he can hang there in the pocket. But it's just down-and-down basis. Like, guys, he just doesn't produce, and – he doesn't throw like you saw the stat. I assume that you know Tommy DeVito has more career multi touchdown games than Kenny Pickett. Like if that isn't a testament to how much he struggled as a thrower, I don't know what is. Let's talk about this weekend, man. There's a couple of games we're obviously not going to talk about Bills Eagles because at the time we're recording this because of the holiday and me traveling back home. We're recording this episode on Monday. That's why it's a lot more like evergreen talking points. But we're not talking about Eagles and Bills this week, which is going to be probably game of the week. Uh, the game I want to talk about, though, is San Francisco and Seattle. From a from a betting standpoint, just want to pull up what the line is for this game. It's uh, it's one where it's a rematch of the playoffs. They played each other last year too. Obviously, they play each other twice. Uh, it's the it's the Thursday night football game on Thanksgiving, so it's prime time. And Seattle is a six and a half point underdog at home per wager attack. The official odds provider of Veterans Minimum use the code VM when depositing. They'll match your bonus. Allen, they're playing each other. And I feel like it's two teams going in opposite directions. San Fran got healthy. Everybody is back. And they've covered both of their spreads rather comfortably since those guys all came back. And now you see Chase Young out there too, which was, I think, a great, great pickup for what they're doing and what they want to do, right? They want to rush the passer. They want to be building off their defense and they want Brock Purdy to have all his weapons and be a uh, more aggressive game manager because he does, he does sling bro. Brock, Brock can sling. Like he'll put it up there. He'll let yeah. guys go out there and make plays, which is what I like too. Yeah. Is, are they protecting him? Sure. But they'll air it out. They'll let him throw it up to double coverage on a Brandon Ayuk who's having a monster year. Guy wants to get paid this off season. Always bet on the guy going into a contract year. I think San Fran might not lose the game the rest of the year, bro. I think they're getting hot. They did this last year too. When they got McCaffrey was right, right around the time when Brock Purdy got into the lineup too. And they just won outright. This is a team that gets hot around this time of year, year in, year out. And there's just something about Seattle that this whole year I wasn't able to get behind. And that's just my early thoughts on this game, bro. Sanford does have to go at Philly, I think the next week. So I don't know if they're going to go on the field, but I'm with you. They're definitely in their stride. I uh, just when look when they got that foursome healthy, like you saw against Tampa Bay, crazy stat. So to Purdy complete 21 passes against Tampa, literally every completion was to Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, McCaffrey. Like that just goes to show you like how much of a dynamic force those four could be when healthy. So, and then you got the pass rush going. I think they're starting to play better in the secondary as well. Less big plays. You know, Ward, someone they definitely need as their number one corner. But yeah, look, I love Seattle, but it's just very concerning. It looks like Kenneth Walker might be out for extended time. Uh, Gino's not 100% right. They got Jason Peters, who I love and who's actually doing work in the run game. But you know, the idea of Jason Peters at 41 years old blocking Nick Bosa, uh, that's a problem. And Chase Young, might I mentioned. 
So it's it's unfortunate because I really like what Seattle's done over the past year and a half, but San Francisco tends to bring the worst out of them. And like you mentioned, both teams going opposite directions at the moment and San Fran thriving and Seattle really come off an ugly loss against the Rams. I don't think it's getting enough national recognition. That was a bad loss, man. You cannot lose that game. Cooper Cup is out for the majority of the game. You did not lose that game to the Rams like that. And they fell apart. Yeah, just Gino, Gino last last year had the breakout year, then he got paid, and good for him, man, because he's had quite the adventure in the NFL, but it's just not connecting the way it was last year. And you're right, that that's a loss that pretty rough loss. It's a team that beat you week one, then they beat you again. Something though that I talked about last week, bro. It's it's important that we gotta remember these things. There are some coaches, there are some teams that just own the other guy. And this is what you have. McVay and the Rams, they just always beat Seattle. And even if you go further back when the Rams were shit and Seattle had the LOB, they were beating them too. It's just something about that matchup. And then you have the Niners always beating the Rams, right? What is it like? They're like nine and two against them in the last 11. And one of those losses was in the NFC title game. Everything else, they kind of take care of business. Same thing with Dak Prescott and the Giants. He's beating them 11 straight games and he covers the spread every time. So ugly loss. I think San Fran is a team that we've known and and thought could be a dominant team all year. And it's just like, yo, when their guys get hurt, they don't play as well. And when they're healthy, they they did lose to Funga for the year. He tore his ACL. That is a loss. That's a a rough one. That's definitely a rough one. But... I just think, you know, he's a guy that came out of nowhere last year. And I'm not saying that he's easily replaceable, but it's it's an organization that I trust the infrastructure and that next man up mentality that they have out there. They'll they'll be able to get production out of that position. It's not going to be like, bro, wasn't he an all pro last year as a rookie? He definitely was. Yeah, like it was, you know, he had an outstanding year. It is a big loss for them. But again, any, you know, Alan, any chance I get to talk about the G-Men, I'm going to talk about it. I okay. saw I saw my team win Super Bowls with just an elite defensive line. And the secondary was pedestrian in comparison. Yeah. yeah. So you got Chase Young, Hargrave, you got Bosa, you got Warner. They can still generate the pressure. They'll be able to compensate that loss that they had in the secondary. But for me... I think San Fran goes in there and I think they take care of business again. I think San Fran now is they're firing on all cylinders, back-to-back wins. Like I said, covering the spread. Do you think this could be a look ahead spot though? Do you think it could be a look ahead to them playing Philly next week or is it because it's division? It won't be. Yes. Very intense rivalry and Shanahan usually gets the better of Carroll. Like, no, I, I think San Fran, they're dialed in right now because you know, they they lost their three games in a row, and there was people questioning him. You know, Steve Wilkes is he going to be on the sideline? Is he going to be in the booth? Like they've already dealt with their adversity, so uh, they're not looking past anyone. I think that they're going to be ready to go. Um, this is uh, like I want to believe like Seattle can make this competitive, especially with the home crowd. But this is just a nasty matchup for them between the pass protection issues. You don't know who's playing QB, and then they don't have much of a run game press. Like I think Chabernet is a talent. But uh, he's, he's still got ways to go. Like, I don't know if he could carry the workload. So barring some dramatic from you know, big-time plays with Metcalf or Lockett, this, I think this game could be a blowout. Yeah, I think so too. 
I think San Fran, like, they were, they covered every game against the spread last year against them too. Like, they they have the Seattle's number, right? Like, they just, and it's just a bad matchup, I think. I think it's a bad matchup. And like you said, unless Tyler Lockett and, and like, Tyler Lockett has that random three-touchdown game that he has every year, I think this game could be one of those ugly ones for Thursday Night Football. And Shannon has a habit of making linebackers look very old and sluggish. I fear for Bobby Wagner in this. I love, man, legend, but oof. Those plash designs, those crossers, like, oh, man. you get if, if we see Debo in space and Bobby Wagner has to tackle him in the open field, oh, man, we might see Bobby Wagner look like he's 45. It's going to be very, very hard to take because who doesn't want Bobby Wagner? Yeah, it could get ugly. It could get ugly. This slate, this slate for Thanksgiving. Are you excited for the slate for Thanksgiving? No, but I do love the powerhouse teams. Like, who doesn't love watching Dallas? Who doesn't love watching San Fran? And the Lions are America's team. And I, I don't care what marketing wants to tell you, the Lions are America's team. To quote the great Dan Campbell, when you watch us, you better wear a diaper. I agree with that statement. So, no, I'm cool with the teams there. I just don't think the matchups are going to be all that compelling or competitive. Yeah, all division games, which is uh, something they haven't had in uh, in a couple of years, which is dope. So at least there, you know that there'll be the animosity and the um, just like the just like it's the rivalries, right? Like these teams play each other in division, and those are always going to be competitive and close games. So I- I'm leaning with San Francisco. I think they go in there and take care of business. We kind of touched on the Jaguars and the Texans before, just like in passing when we were praising Houston. What do you make of this game? It's uh, the second time they play each other. Texans went in there. They they blew them out. They dominated them. And now the Jaguars. So Jaguars are coming off a big win, uh, dominating the Titans. Uh, shout out to your boy, Mike Vrabel, bro. You see him on the sidelines? He's going through <laughs> it this year. Every coach goes through it, man, but uh, it hurts. The pound-for-pound champ in the AFC is going through it, though. Shout out to Mike Vrabel. Cause uh, he's he's done a lot with a little. That's that's for damn sure down oh, there yeah. in Tennessee. So biggest overachiever, him, him and Tomlin. Yeah, yeah. We used to throw my boy Brian Dable in there, but I don't know, man. Brian Dable, I don't know about that. Give him time. That's all I can say about that. Yeah, that's all we got is time, bro. Be less emotional. Yeah. Okay. So but, for- yeah, this match was all oof. I don't know, man. Like what do you what do you make of the Jaguars at this point? To me, they're the biggest enigma in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's a great way to describe them because, on paper, and I do the air quotes because we don't win games on paper. Got a lot of talent offensively, but it looks like they struggle to move the ball sometimes, and I don't get it. I don't get it. Is it the play calling? Offensive line isn't the greatest, but it's not the worst. Also, I don't understand. It's it's frustrating because I think a lot of people were banking on the Trevor Lawrence breakout to be like, holy shit, this guy could be an MVP. And look, they're seven and three. We're not we're talking about a team that has won games, but anytime they played a good team, they've gotten their shit punched in. So is this going to be a, a repeat of this trend that we've seen with Jacksonville? Because Houston's a good team. It's in division. Uh, a lot of a lot of CJ Stroud love this whole year. And Jacksonville was looking at it like, yo, we're chilling for the next decade. We got the best quarterback in the division. And then Houston was like, nah, slow down, bro. 
we got CJ now. And now they're going to be competing. Because I, I said on the previous show how the Jaguars at minus 150 is probably going to be the least favorite they'll be for the rest of Trevor Lawrence's career. Because you're looking at the quarterbacks. We didn't know what was happening in Tennessee. We didn't know CJ was going to turn into this guy right away. And then you had Anthony Richardson with the Colts. And now all of a sudden, like Richardson was playing pretty well. Better fantasy quarterback than real quarterback, but he's still a rookie. And they seem to be happy with him in Indy. And then Houston, he's lighting it up down there. So now all of a sudden, you're a Jaguar saying, you're like, shit, we were supposed to run things for the next decade. Now it's going to be a little bit more competitive. So to me, I think Enigma is a great, great description of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's just weird, bro, because their offense should be a lot better than what it's showing. Right. And I, I do think they're making progress. I think Zay Jones is quietly a huge return for them because it allows them to be more flexible. Like Christian Kirk's just a slot receiver. They, they're trying to put him on the outside. It's not working, man. Let him go against those nickel corners. Let him capitalize on those mismatches against linebackers. Let him eat there. Um, I didn't get to see much of the Titans game, but one thing that was encouraging is they're finally moving Ridley around. I feel like they were utilizing Ridley too much on the outside and just playing one-on-one matchups. Like, as great as Ridley is, and he's so good at creating separation, it wears on a receiver. Like, you got to get creative with Ridley a little bit. So put him in those stack formations. Let him, you know, those three-by-ones. Just scheme things up open for him, man. I think that kind of helped create openings for the entire Jaguars offense because they were booming against the Titans. But is it just all like a one-game anomaly? I don't know because I'm still concerned about the whole line and they don't much of a running game either. Like, it's like it's weird. Like, some guys, you brought fans, like Etienne's like top five running back, but I think Jacksonville's like one of the worst success rates in terms of running the ball. So uh, that's why they're in Nigma right now because they have all this talent and you believe in their players, you believe in their coaching staff. But where are the 30-point games? Like, where is this team... You know, when you look at you know, the, the points per game, the third down percentage of red zone conversion rate, like they're not out there. So at some point it's got to come together because this defense, they continue to overachieve. I love what I'm seeing from their defense, but offensively they got to start converting the red zone and just stop beating themselves because it's happened far too often. And it's weird to talk like this after they just handled the Titans, but we're talking about the games against even the Steelers and the Bills. Like they won those games, but still they won't to me those weren't all that definitive. So I'm still waiting from that real Jaguars moment. Like, okay, this is one of the AFC's best teams. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get that. Yeah, man. And then also, like, I want to give some love to D'Amico Ryans and the defense because last couple of years they've been building on this, right? Like, this dude, Blake Cashman, what do you have, 19 tackles yesterday, 17 tackles? The one dude was getting interviewed, and he's like, yo, he had what? Like, he couldn't even believe it. And I like Petrie. They drafted him last year. Uh, Stingley also like the guys in the secondary and they've been, they've been balling, man. You got Sheldon Rankins in the middle clogging up holes and Will Anderson, like we mentioned. Yeah. They, did they give up a lot? Sure. But I'm not a fan of it as far as like, I would never give up a lot of assets for a non quarterback, but Hey, they really liked them and it's panning out and he's playing really well for them this year. And then of course, like they hit on the ultimate prize, which is CJ Stroud. And then if you're a, if you're a Panther fan, you're probably miserable. You're like, holy shit, Bryce Young threw another pick six this yesterday. Dude, I had uh, Ursalita last week. Allen was Panthers plus plus 11, I think it was. And they're down 14. They're, they're about to start driving. Pick six. They're like, oh, there goes that ticket. You know, 14-point swing right there. But the Texans, I think, I like the Texans in this spot, man. They're at home. I think this is going to be a... 
it's going to be a big game for so many reasons because we're going to see if Jack, the Jaguars are going to put their foot down or if Houston's going to be like, yo, we're here too. We're here too. And, and it's not going to be as easy as you guys thought it was going to be moving forward. It's the hardest game to pick. Is I think it's a real 50-50 because the Jaguars are the more talented team. I think they're a better all-around team. I'm going to Texans. I just the way Stroud's playing right now, footwork, the timing, just the anticipation. Like even like the three interceptions, I only think one of them was really on him. I think two other ones were either deflected or it was just a great play by a defense. Like I think the third one was just a bad read. But besides that, it's just he has so much command in that pocket, and it seems like they're generating chunk plays left and right. And dude, Tank Dell, like we haven't mentioned. Like, if it wasn't, like, besides Stroud, I don't think there's a rookie in the league right now that's, like, blowing me away more than Tank Dell. Like, Tank Dell's just creating separation at an alarming rate. Like, just get the get this guy the ball. That's it. And he's, he's the yak opportunities, the stuff down the field. And he's so small, but he makes vertical plays. And he literally could, you know, go against, like, one-on-one coverage. Like, he makes those scuffed catches. So, I'm blown away by Tank Dell. He's another home run pick in this what I think could be a legendary draft list. So um, I'm riding with the Texans offense. I do think the Jaguars are a better all-around team, but uh, man, which the way Stroud's playing right now, it's hard to go against them. Really cool story about Tank Dell. I talked about it last week. I don't know if you you caught that where CJ Stroud went to the organization and said, you got to draft this guy. And he likes that belief. He, he, yeah, he pushed yeah. for him too. And look, man, no one's had more targets the last three weeks than Tank Dell. 10 last week, 14 the week before, 11 the week before, and he's had eight catches for 149 and a touchdown, six catches for 56 yards and a touchdown, six catches, 114 and two touchdowns. And then Nico Collins on the other side too, like we said, Noah Brown, like they're getting it done with a lot of no-name guys that are being really productive and they're young, so they'll have something that they could grow with together moving forward. Let's not overlook the veterans, man. Dolan Schultz have a nice year. And, yeah. you know, Bob Woods could always look across the middle of the field. It's like, they still got their steady veterans doing their thing. Yeah, definitely, man. But I, I think I'm going to go, uh, I think I'm going to go with the, the Houston Texans. Okay. We're riding with the Texans. Let's get it, bro. Let's get it. Okay. Um, before we sign off, do want to do a Patreon, Patreon rundown. Um, the sneakers are on the way. I sent out the sneakers to the people that won the sneakers last month. So thank you all for the contributions to the Patreon, the patreon.com slash veterans minimum for as little as $1 a month. You guys could pledge to the Patreon and we are at 82 active members trying to get to a hundred by the end of the football season by Super Bowl. Uh, let's call it pre Super Bowl Monday. So the week of the Super Bowl is trying to get to a hundred. We'll do another dope, dope giveaway. So Big shout outs to the members of the Patreon, every single one of you, but in particular, Mahul Patel, Abel Rezin, Ben Kotsian, Christopher Velasquez, Derek Platies, Dylan Chadwick, Jerry Shapiro, Jordan Riley, Mike Stevens, Nick Crummich, Mike Wozniak, and Thomas Robinson. As you can see on the screen, $5 tier, you get access to all the betting picks. You get access to the Discord. $10 a month is the giveaways. $20 a month, you get merch on discount at the merch store merchandise.veteransminimum.com. You get the shout outs and then the $40 tier, you're basically just a crazy SOB. Uh, that's in the grand scheme of things. That's what you are. And there's a couple of you in there. So we appreciate that as well. 
for the contributions to the Patreon. Alan, the next time us two talk, we'll be throwing back some cold ones at the bar. Oh, that's what I love to hear. Fucking go, It's Thanksgiving baby. week, We're feasting. We're drinking. It's one of the best times of the year. Oh, I love this time. My actual favorite day of the year is Thanksgiving. It's not my favorite True holiday. Perfect. It's not my favorite holiday, but the day. Top top dog. What's like your favorite side dish? Obviously, we know about the turkey. What's like the Thanksgiving essential? I think the mac and cheese, bro. That's it? I think it's mac and cheese, yeah. My mom does a dope one. She throws like bacon in there too. Get a little crazy. Now yeah, you, you got to add a little bit more flair. Obviously, mac and cheese has a ton of flair, but there's ways to be creative with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Mama Lynn knows what she's doing. Yes, sir. Dude, where can people find you if they haven't already found you? Alan Sturk. That's A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. At Nick Day is 10, as you can find me. All things Veterans Minimum are at Veterans Minimum. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for following the show. Hope you all have a phenomenal Thanksgiving. We'll catch you guys next time on VM. I'm a gold medalist, bronze like your medalist. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear that supper bell, main course, beat of venison. Zab. Most dangerous game. Either kill or be killed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com